sense in my heart that um, everything we do is colored by the state of our hearts, the state of our mind, as it were. I mean, and the Bible tells us as well in Proverbs 4, 23, for example, that we should guard our hearts because out of it proceeds the issues of life. I mean, the, the job issues of life, the, 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 the wife issues of life, the husband issues of life. I mean, just think about it. What issues surround your life this morning? The Bible says that out of your heart proceed the issues of life. So it would appear to me that our hearts are a really big factor to all that we do, all that we say, all that we are. Amen? Um, I love this story, and I'm just going to share this story very quickly before I jump into the rest of um, what I have to share this morning. Um, I supervise the um, Jewels ministry. That's the ministry um, for women in the Elevation Church. Single women, married women, every woman, you know. And within the Jewels, um, we have a fellowship called LifeSpring. And I recall that the coordinator of that fellowship had shared a story with me many years ago that I always, you know, always makes my heart skip a beat when I retell that story to myself. And I recall at the time she had been trusting God for um, a child for many years. Um, the LifeSpring, sorry, I didn't mention, did I? LifeSpring is a fellowship for um, pregnant women, women trusting God for the fruit of the womb, um, women who are pregnant. We just kind of pray um, with them all through that journey. Amen. And I recall she shared this story with me many years ago. And she says that she'd been trusting God for a few years. And she had this, she'd, she'd been fasting, I think, and praying for a season. And she had this encounter, a God encounter, um, a God experience, yes, in that season. And she says, in, it, it felt a bit like a dream, except it was more real than a dream. She approached a big throne. And this um, man was sitting on the throne, long beard, just dressed in these royal robes. And she just sensed in her heart, okay, this is God. I'm approaching the throne of grace. And she says, of course, at the time, she'd been trusting God for the fruit of the womb for a child for years at that point, years at that point. So she thought, I came into his presence and he asked me, okay, so what do you want? And you'd expect her to say what? Ah. A child. I, I, I want a child. I mean, I've been praying for so long. I mean, how can you even ask me what I want? I mean, come on, can't you see? <laughs> you know? But she said at that point, she just knew instinctively that that was not the appropriate response. And she says, I just came to tell you how wonderful you are. I just came to tell you how, how, how beautiful you are. I just came to thank you for life. I came to thank you for the beauty that is the fact that I am connected with you. And she just began to bless him and to love him. And he says, is that all? She said, yes. And then she says, in this um, experience, she turns and she begins to leave his presence. And then she hears this big belly roll of laughter coming from this throne behind her. And I think within that month, she found out she was pregnant. Amen? And not only was she pregnant, I'm just summarizing the story because we have a very short time this morning left. You know, she was pregnant, and through the course of her pregnancy, there was a song she heard coming from his throne that morning. Even I wasn't familiar with the song. She said she didn't even know the song. She had to come out of that encounter and begin to ask, please, does anyone know this song? Please sing it to me. I just, I just remember this little refrain, you know, and I only remember two lines from it, so I'll just attempt to sing it for you this morning. It's in Yoruba. I'll interpret in a minute. It was, 
It means um, the tree that the Lord has planted. No one can uproot it. You know, and all through her pregnancy, she, she held on to that word. All kinds of counter counter instructions from the doctors. Oh, what you're carrying, it's, it's, you know, there's something wrong with the heartbeat. Oh, there's something wrong with the this. Oh, there's something wrong with the that. None of that. This beautiful baby boy is standing and strong. The most active, you know, beautiful little boy you can ever find anywhere. You know, and sometimes we're tempted to think, okay, so the point where I give thanks is the point where I receive this great miracle. I have this job. And, I, and, and there's nothing wrong with thanksgiving for the things that God has given us. But I've come with a, a slightly different approach this morning. That attitude of thanksgiving that says, Lord, it's, it's, it's just in it. It is who I am. I am a grateful person. I have a grateful heart. And because I have a grateful heart, my grateful heart conditions everything around me and helps me to reinterpret everything that surrounds my life. Amen? Amen. So my first critical um, point this morning is that a grateful heart will regulate your internal climate. A grateful heart will regulate your internal climate. I mean, many people battle with um, depression. And um, I love something that Pastor Idris said many years ago. He says, the thing about a heavy heart is that we fail to recognize that it is very, very heavy. Anyone who's ever been through a depression or a season where, you know, you just have to fight your way out of that black cloud that is standing, just kind of hovering over you, can attest to the fact that a heavy heart just has a way of drowning out everything else. Everyone else can be celebrating around you. But once that spirit of heaviness just settles on a person, it has a way of just drowning out everything else that you should be thankful for. So everyone is telling you, oh, can't you see your circumstances? I would, I would give anything to be in your shoes. And you're thinking, really? Why? But a grateful heart will regulate your internal climate. It will cause you to open your eyes to recognize and acknowledge and understand the gifts that have been placed around you. Um, one scripture says that the communication of your faith is effectual to the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you. You need eyes to see and to recognize what good things are around me. Amen? And at the point where you begin to acknowledge those things, a grateful heart just kind of helps you filter all the experiences you go through and see what it is that you have to be grateful for. Amen? Amen. Second major point I'd like to leave with us this morning is that thanksgiving can be a sacrifice. I know we're probably familiar with the term, um, a sacrifice of praise. Um, that is when everything around you doesn't seem to point to praise. But you say, you know what, God, I'm just going to put what I see aside and enter into that sacrificial level. I make it a sacrifice. It's the last thing I feel like doing right now, praising, blessing, honoring, lifting you. But I make it, I choose to declare that you deserve the thanks out of this situation and out of this circumstance. I remember many years ago, um, 
I worked in banking for quite a few years, um, about 13 years to be exact. Um, but I remember that before I got that job, I had trusted and believed God for a while. I was working on a job where I was, I was just tired of the job. It was just so stressful and I just didn't think I could cope. You know, so I took some time apart and um, I just began. I, I remember when I decided that, you know what, enough is enough. It is time to begin to believe God for a new job. And within that season, I recall, I went to work and um, my publisher, the, I was working in a newspaper company at the time, the publisher called everyone to a meeting that morning and I think he threw a question out into the house. Okay, anyone who can answer this question gets a gift. You know, and I, I answered the question and surprise, surprise, you know, he did give me the gift. And I recall that I, I held that, I think it was, it, it was 20,000 naira or something. I held that 20,000 naira that day and I was just so happy. This was about maybe 15 years ago or so. 15? Yeah, 15 years ago or so. I was so happy, like, yay, you know. I began to make plans what I was going to do with that money. And I was coming back from work that day. And right there in the bus, in the middle of planning, okay, so this amount I'm spending on this and this amount I'm spending on that, I hear God tell me, just go straight to church. Just, just go straight to church and give this to me. You know, and incidentally, the bus always passed by where I lived. So the thought that immediately came up in my mind was, maybe I should just stop at my bus stop and drop this money at home before I go to church. So there will be no temptation to offer this. So I'm, I'm defining a sacrifice this morning. You know, but I recall that immediately I just, I mean, the counter word that came up in my heart was even taking it home. Can I hide it from God in my house? I mean, hello, can I hide it from God in my house? No. So I said, okay, you know, we're just going to church. If God is speaking, then let him speak and we will do what he says. And I got to church that day, I recall. And indeed, uh, my pastor did raise an offering that day. And I recall the scripture he read out that day it was Psalm 50. It was the first time really that I had um, taken note of that scripture. And um, I'll read from verse 5, Psalm 50. It says, Gather my saints together to me, those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this word again, sacrifice, sacrifice. You know, and I dropped it that day. And I, but I, but you know, I, just, I remember I told God that, you know what, God, I'm, you know, it's not really about the, the fact that I'm sacrificing. I've sacrificed before. But I mean, today I want you to give me a word. I want you to tell me something that I can hold on to something that I can hold on to. And he took me further down in that chapter to verse 10. Verse 10 says, For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the mountains, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. For the world is mine at all its fullness. Will I eat the flesh of bulls, or drink the blood of goats? It says in verse 14, Offer to God thanksgiving, and pay your vows to the Most High. And it just clicked for me. He said, if you, if you will offer this to me as a postdated first fruit of that job that you're trusting me for, of that new level you're trusting me for, you will be fine. You know, so I dropped it in the offering that day and I took note of verse 15 that said, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. And you know, honestly, um, at every level of applying and interviewing and processing for the job, 
it was just clearly God all the way. I mean, how do you explain, you know, leaving your house in the morning for an interview, for a job interview, and just before I step out of the house, he asks, he asks me, because I read economics in school, he asks me, what does a perfectly elastic supply curve look like? And I'm like, okay, perfectly elastic supply curve. I do a quick mental check, and I remember, okay, so it's perfectly elastic like this and this, you know, and I just remind myself, okay, cool. And I get to the interview, and I see the panel of maybe four or five executives, you know, all looking very formidable. And like the first or second question they ask me is, oh, you say you read economics? Okay, so what does a perfectly elastic supply curve look like? You know, at that point, I'd been a little, you know, you know how it is now, little girl in front of this panel of, you know, <laughs> you know, and I really wanted this job. You know, it, it, it's okay if it's something that you don't, you're not really bothered, but I really wanted this job. So, you know, my heart's palpitations and all of that. But, you know, the minute they asked me that question, I understood that God was bringing it full circle for me and was explaining to me that for this day of trouble, you have offered the thanksgiving. It's fine. You know, so I just simply stretched out on the chair in front of them. It was a swivel chair, you see, and I just began to swivel to and fro. They must have wondered, what's wrong with this girl? You know, I was like, oh, it looks, do you want me to draw it, draw it in the air? Do you want to give me a pencil? You know, and I just got so arrogant in front of them. But needless to say, I got the job, and I worked there for so many years. And from, from point to point, it was clearly God going ahead of me. What am I saying? A grateful heart understands that it's not strictly about the things you have at hand. It's about the matters you have at heart. If in your heart you can see something to be grateful for. If in your heart you can regulate all that's going on around you and interpret them as somehow pointing to the faithfulness of God. You will always, always, always then have something to be grateful for. Amen. 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 I think the third major point I wanted to make this morning is that one of the reasons, for example, why we fail to give thanks. Um, and when I say we fail to give thanks, I don't mean that we don't say thank you. Because very often we do say thank you, right? I mean, we say thank you. I mean, on a given day, most of us, if not all of us, would have said thank you at least 20 or so times. You say thank you when you get out of bed in the morning, or you say thank you to someone who opens a door for you, or you say thank you, you know, at work someone does something for you. So we're not strangers to saying thank you. But how many of us know sometimes that our thanks can be very peripheral? It doesn't really go down deep. So we're thinking, I mean, yes, yes, I'm grateful, but... but <laughs> Oh, I just wish it was better. You know, the, 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 the thanks. I, I, I'm, I'm grateful, Shah. You know, there's a bit of a comma there somewhere. I believe that God wants us to give him unequivocal thanks. Because at the heart of it, we can't give thanks unless we truly, truly believe that he is faithful. And that he is good. The psalmist said, for you are good and your mercy is forever without a fundamental acceptance of that truth that God is at the heart of him good, it is difficult to give thanks. Two things I found that typically come against a grateful heart or that hinder us from really having a grateful heart and, and giving thanks from the depth 
that we really should are pride and entitlement. All right? Pride and entitlement. You see, pride says, I deserve all of this and more. Entitlement says, everybody owes me something. So why should I be grateful? Why should I give thanks? And you see, if we keep these two in our hearts, they will completely choke out that grateful heart and that grateful spirit that we need to imbibe and, 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 and give voice to. Pride, for example, um, I recall a story I heard many years ago about um, a man on a plane. And I think the air hostess, you know, had come to serve him a few times. And every time she would drop something, whether a plate or a glass or a cup or something. And, you know, he would just wave her off and continue what he was doing. And I think after the third or fourth time, she actually stops and says, excuse me, sir, can you please say thank you? And, I mean, depending on who the guy was, he could have either gotten really angry or whatever, but he just leans back and begins to smile and thinks, okay, you know what? My wife has said this to me over and over and over again. It's amazing I had to come up in the air to come and hear it. He says, thank you. I will comply. All right? But there's a sense of pride and entitlement that doesn't allow us to recognize where we are, or how completely selfish we have become. And I just want us to search our hearts for a moment this morning. Is there anything in or around my life? I mean, this is the question I want you to ask yourself this morning. Just kind of take God's word and apply it like a mirror to the hidden man of your heart this morning and ask, is there anything I find that gives me the sense or gives me the feeling that this I, I should not be grateful for where I am or I should not be grateful for the things in or around my life. Check it closely for pride. Check it closely for entitlement. Amen? When you feel the world owes you, it will be difficult to give thanks. It will be difficult to really give thanks from the depth of who you are. So understand that when the Bible says, for example, in 1 Thessalonians, that we should give thanks always because that is God's will concerning us. It is a commandment. Yes. But I find usually that there is the letter of the law, but then there's the spirit of it. Um, so you start out saying, okay, Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. I'm, I'm struggling with this thank you right now, but Lord, I thank you. But if you will do it faithfully and if you will do it diligently and truly tell God that this is the state of my heart right now, I need help with this, you will, you will find yourself in that place where you no longer need the nudge. You say, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for all you've done. I thank you for what you haven't done, what it seems like you haven't done. I thank you, Lord, even because it seems like you didn't come through yesterday because I know you're bringing something bigger and better ahead because you've dimensioned it clearly on your inside and you recognize that all I am, all I have, all I will ever be is a function of all that God is and all that God has done for me. A grateful heart, for example, doesn't struggle with forgiving. Should I say that one more time? 
A grateful heart doesn't struggle with forgiving. And I don't mean to say that you won't be offended from time to time. And every time I have the opportunity to speak about um, painful hurts or things you need to let go of in the past, I always take the time to plug in this story. You know that if you find yourself struggling with a particular offense, someone hurt you, someone betrayed you, you know, someone dealt with you in a way that, you know, you just did not deserve in a relationship or in a friendship or whatever. What I find that works for me is I pray for the person. And depending on how deep the hurt is, the first few times you pray for the person, you, you, will, you, will, you, will, you will cry. There will be tears. It will feel like blood. Because, you see, you're not praying the kind of prayer, fire prayers that we've been taught to pray. Lord, thunder, fire him. May he never know better in his life. Not those kind of prayers. The kind of prayers I'm talking about are the kind that Jesus commanded his disciples and said, if someone... If someone um, constrains you to go with him one mile, go with him seven. Those are the kind of prayers I, 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 I'm talking about. You're praying, Lord, Father, bless him. You're saying, Father, prosper him. You're saying, God, promote him. You're saying, Father, Lord, fill that emptiness on their inside that only God can fill. You're saying, Father, Lord, help him. Help him. Anything he reaches his hands out to do, cause bless him as he does it. Do you get what I'm saying? It's, it's not the kind of prayer you just, you know, you just, you know. It, 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 it will pain you as you pray those kind of prayers. The first few times, um, depending on how grievous the offense is, it's a struggle. I mean, I can tell you that openly and honestly. I've been born again a few years now, but it never gets easier when you're dealing with a particularly painful offense. And you're, you're, you're looking God in the face and you're telling him that, Father, this is the last thing I feel like doing. But I recognize that you have commanded that I forgive. So, Lord, I bless this person. I pray for their future spouse. They will be, they will be blessed. They will be prosperous. They will be fruitful in the name of Jesus. And you do that until you find yourself no longer feeling that sting of pain when you pray for them in that way then you know, okay, yes, I have overcome. Because you see, um, someone said that walking in on forgiveness and bitterness is like drinking poison and, asking, and expecting that your neighbor will die. And unforgiving heart will choke out any bit of gratitude you have on your inside. I mean, check out the prodigal son and his older brother. I mean, you recall that when he came home and he heard the sound of rejoicing and all of that going on in the house, he refused to even enter the house. I mean, how many people remember that about the story? He refused to even enter the house. And I can imagine what he was saying on his inside. Me. I've stayed here all these years. And this useless boy who went out doing God knows what comes home and they're throwing a party for him. How? There's something about that state of heart, you know, that just puts a bit of a question. Can you... Help me this morning. Just amplify my voice to so the person beside you. Say, that is not the person we're supposed to be. That is not the person we're supposed to be. God wants us to have hearts that are open to him. Hearts that, that are, 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 are completely given to him. Forgiving hearts. Giving hearts. Amen. A grateful heart forgives. A grateful heart knows how to give a compliment. 
is not overly critical. Amen. If you find that in a company of three or four people, everyone knows that you're the one who is just going to say the one thing that's going to kill everybody's spirit. We need to redimension. Amen. We need to redimension. And thank God, David, David prayed, I think, one of the most profound prayers. He said, renew in me a clean heart. Amen. He says, um, create in me a clean heart and restore a right spirit within me. So I, I don't know um, what the story of your life, of your specific situation has been. But the Bible tells us to give thanks always, always, in all things. And sometimes we struggle with, oh, do I have to give thanks for that as well? So while you're struggling with, okay, whether or not to give thanks for that, so let, let, me, let me put it in context a bit. So someone who has been through abuse or rape, for example. I mean, come on, I'm not asking you this morning to say, Father, Lord, thank God I was raped. No, that's not what I'm asking you to do this morning. What I am asking you to do is to say, Father, Lord, I thank you that I went through that experience and I'm still standing. I can still look up to you and I can, I can find hope for a beautiful new day. Amen. Amen. A grateful heart. A grateful heart. A grateful heart. Thanksgiving is so key that um, the Bible records in Luke 17 um, an incident where Jesus healed um, 10 lepers. 10 lepers came up to him, the Bible says, and they asked that he would heal them. And Jesus gave them a simple command, go, go and show yourselves to the chief priest. And as they went, the Bible says, they were healed. You know, but one of them, who was a Samaritan, the Bible says, noticing that something had been done in his body, turned back. And with a loud voice, you know, I, that, that bit just kind of, you know, messes with my head a bit. With a loud voice, comes back, giving glory and giving thanks. And Jesus asks him a question. Were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Where are the nine? Can you think about any circumstance, any situation in your life where you think God may have been asking, where, where, where is she? Where is he? Where is he? Where is she? We're very quick sometimes to say, oh, my father, why did this happen? Why did I have to go through that set of circumstances? Failing to recognize that there was a deliverance somewhere in there. A deliverance for you somewhere in there. So this morning, I want to ask everyone in the room to just take a minute and in your own voice, to just begin to say, Father, Lord, I thank you. I thank you. I just choose this morning to rescope those things that I thought I would never be able to look them in the eye and say, oh, you mean this happened to me? Just take a minute to say, Father, Lord, I choose to believe that you are faithful. I choose to believe that you're bringing a blessing out of it. I remember a young girl I was counseling with um, many years ago, um, many, many, many years ago, um, back in my former pastorate. Um, I, went, I went for a choir rehearsal on this day. And I recall that this young girl came up to me and said, you know what, I've just been looking for someone to talk to. I'm, I'm just in so much pain today. I don't know. I just need to talk to somebody. And she'd been in a relationship for almost, I think it was six or seven years. And 
the young man clearly was not interested because she'd go to visit and then, you know, it was just apparent that she was being abused and misused and with a kind of righteous indignation, you know, it just rose up in, I don't know where it came from because I'm not typically the shouty kind of person, but I was just so grieved in my spirit and I just shouted, forget about him, forget about him now. You don't recognize yet what God wants to do in and through your life. And I think the, the you know, <laughs> the shock just dried the tears from my eyes immediately like, ah, okay. Ah, she beats me going through this something, madam. Why are you shouting like this? You know, but I recall that she, she got it. She understood that, look, you know, I remember one question she asked me was like, look, but I've invested so much, six years. How do I just turn my back on six years of investment? And I told her, look, it does six years, six years going in the wrong direction is no is not an argument for continuing down that road. God has delivered you. Course correct and move forward. And I think my most joyful um, bit from that whole experience was that about three or so years down the line from there, my husband went to officiate at her wedding. It was, it was held outside of Lagos. And I recall that he told me that as her groom saw his bride coming down the walkway, Tears just began to fall from his eyes. And everyone was like, ah, groom, what's happening? It's supposed to be a joyful, joyous occasion. What's happening? And my husband asks him, why are you crying, young man? This is your day of celebration. And the young man, and the young man turns to him and says, I can't imagine how God would have kept her for me. God kept her for me. Amen. There's nothing like a grateful heart. There is nothing like it. Nothing like it. I imagine that God is searching our hearts this morning. Searching our hearts this morning. Searching our hearts this morning. And in those seasons where I'm I seem to be struggling the most, I just make it a sacrifice. A sacrifice of thanksgiving, like the Bible says. So if there's anyone in this room who can recall something for which to give thanks. Let the thanks freely flow from your heart, through your lips this morning. Don't wait for the song. We've sang, we said it's more than a song. Don't wait for the song this morning. Let your thanksgiving just flow freely from your heart. And just in case there's someone this morning who knows it's, if I'm going to give thanks right now, it's going to be a sacrifice. Because I know what I've dealt with all week. It's, it's a miracle that I'm even here this morning. PB, please don't push me. I'm pushing you just a little bit further this morning. I'm asking you to give him a sacrifice of thanksgiving. And tell him, with a grateful heart, I lift my hands to you. Proclaiming, Lord, you reign. Make it a sacrifice this morning. With a grateful heart, I lift my hands to you. Proclaiming, Lord, you reign. Say with a grateful heart. With a grateful heart, I
if that's you and you've either at some point said, yes, Jesus, I, I receive you into my life. Or you've just never really taken that step before in your life to be called a, a son or a daughter of God. I'd like to ask you this morning, will you receive Jesus into your heart? You see, a grateful heart first has to be a sin-washed heart. It has to first be a heart that has been given to God in surrender. If you're in this room this morning and you'd like to surrender your heart to God, can I ask you to please put your hand on your heart? Anywhere you are, sitting, standing, wherever you may be, can I ask you to put your hand on your heart? And say this prayer with me. Say, Dear Father, I, re I realize this morning that I need a new heart. I realize this morning that I need to be in your family. So I ask you, Father, to wash me clean. Wash me clean of all my sin. Wash me clean of all my wrong. I receive Jesus this morning as my Lord and Savior. From this moment, Lord, I choose to live for you. I choose to walk with you. And I receive your power to do the same. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. If you said that prayer with me this morning, um, there will be LifePoint officials who will speak with you um, and who will hand something to you. They want to make friends with you and just tell you a little bit about their own journey with God and show you how to grow in this journey with God. Amen? Amen. 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 Um, thank you so much, choir. God bless you. If you've been blessed this morning, I'd like to put your hands together and celebrate the God of all grace, the God of all power and of all might.